<laughs> Asking the question Wonder Woman 84 didn't dare ask, what are the actual implications of putting someone's mind in an unwilling person's body? We watch duplicates, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. I don't know you. Hello and welcome to another Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined, as always, with by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm well and in my own body with my own mind, I believe. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, we are also joined by what I think is Brian, the <laughs> Unipiper kid. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, did you actually see uh, Wonder Woman 84 or did you just watch the review? Uh, no, I actually did see Wonder Woman 84, um, um, which is funny because that that whole controversy, as the British would say, did, didn't even really occur to me when I was watching because I think the, the rest of the movie was just not good. So that didn't like stick out to me. But then it was kind of funny to be like, oh, yeah. Um, but we watched. Yeah, I <laughs> problematic. We watched a uh, TV, I believe, made for USA Network. Was this? Uh, yeah, we should really go back and figure out how many of the movies that we've watched have been USA movies because I feel like it's been at least two or three. Yeah, yeah, this and a very and a, a bunch of other made-for-TV movies too. I wonder if this was just like a place for a while that was like you just went here to make your TV movies because like this is in '92 slash '93. Like there were a lot of these mid '90s ones that we've done on the show, Last yes. Innocent Man and Payback, and like all of these <laughs> Haunting of Sarah Hardy. Oh yes, that's right. Who could for who could forget? Uh, besides me, just now. Uh, but this is uh, 1993 or 1992. I'm not quite sure which one it was, but uh, Duplicates, which is a movie starring uh, no one that you would recognize except perhaps Cicely Tyson and Kevin McCarthy, who of course that was the bad guy in UHF, um, <laughs> who and who is also in uh, Kansas City Bomber. Because oh, I was yeah. like, I know we've had huh. the discussion of the guy from UHF being in one of our movies. And so I had to go back and look. And uh, he was in Kansas City Bomber, which was uh, two decades before this. Interesting. Um, but yeah, Brian, why don't I hand this off to you and you can kind of give us some context. Okay, well, let's turn to the greatest of all context. Let's read the back of the VHS box. <laughs> and let's see if this lines up with uh, what we actually watched. Um, okay, so duplicates. Bob Boxletter, that's Gregory Harrison, and his wife Marion, Kim Grist, are trying to pick up the pieces of their marriage after the disappearance of their son Joey and Marion's brother Brian. But the ghosts of the past return when the Ohio couple. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Oh, I didn't, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay, that, that helps. <laughs> uh, when the Ohio couple spots Marion's brother in a New York restaurant. Gotcha. When confronted, Brian claims he doesn't recognize them and disappears into a crowd. Bob dismisses the sighting as an uncanny resemblance. Agree. This is on the back of the VHS box? Does it like fold out? I really feel like this should have been the opening crawl of the movie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> because this really helps uh, set the stage. Okay, so Bob dismisses the sighting as an uncanny resemblance until a child looking exactly like Joey is seen with another set of parents. Soon, Bob and Marion begin to uncover clues leading to a far-reaching conspiracy involving the transfer of human memories uh, to computer banks. The end result, duplicate entries, nope, sorry, <laughs> duplicate <laughs> entities programmed to carry out the whims of their creators. And for Bob and Marion, the realization that they may have become what they fear the most. And it doesn't say what that is. <laughs> Interesting. Now, did either of you know anything about this movie going in? Brian, you found it. Uh, okay, Mark. So, yeah, I Zero. wandered in completely blind as well. And I do have to say, kind of before we get into it, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was I did too. fun. It was uh, like, usually, like I think I say it every time, like at the 45 minute mark, like it, I have to put it on pause mm -hmm. and go do something else. 
And I just sat here and watched this movie because I honestly didn't know where it was going. I found it oddly compelling. The performances were good, although I think the characters were bad, especially the the wife lady in, um, in the very beginning when before the kind of twist thing happens and she keeps freaking out on people. I found her <laughs> unlikable, but the acting was good. Yeah, and in terms of uh, keeping my attention and wanting to actually follow along and knows what happens, this is like a top tier Portland movie. Yep, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Um, it's, it, it was a really clever uh, concept, um, and I, I feel like in general, watching it, the movie uh, bit off more than it could chew in terms of trying to tackle the ideas, and um, it, I felt it never really fleshed out the, the sort of rules of this universe and the technology that they're using to do this body swapping. So I was constantly like, I couldn't tell if I was confused because... I was just confused by the movie or if I was confused because that information was not being presented. I, um, I feel like the information wasn't being presented. Uh, yeah, there, there, so there was a lot of that. I have questions, a yep. lot of questions. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and it, it did. Oh, my art, my art, my R2D2 on the floor that I was it's, talking about before is starting to go off again. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it did ask a lot of intriguing questions but didn't i wish it would have followed through with some of them more but uh so let's get let's get into the fact uh you said it, this was in ohio can you guys hear r2d2 yes oh yes yeah it's todd and r2 okay sorry <laughs> insert insert r2d2 noises okay i think r2 has been R2 is now in a resting state. Uh, did you put, put the restraining bolt back on him? <laughs> yes, I did. He's, he's been, been dip, dipped in a vat of oil and being cleaned <laughs> as we speak. So, um, so yeah, this movie, you st the back of the box is interesting because it did say Ohio. Yeah. I don't think Ohio was ever mentioned in no. the actual film. No, neither was Oregon. Uh, New York was, wow. I, I figured this was in New York because part of it does happen in both uh, downtown New York, um, like Manhattan, and then yeah. uh, upstate New York. The very first thing I wrote down in my notes is, well, that's not Portland. <laughs> and it's weird, like, the, it, I, I almost thought that this was going to be one of those movies that I watch, and then at the end it's like, filmed entirely in Kentucky and like I wasted <laughs> my time. So five minutes in, I was like, well, clearly this is not Portland. So I fast forwarded all the way to the end to make, yep. to see if there was Portland in the yep. credits and it was. So <laughs> I, I, did I, the same am, thing. I don't know where any of these locations um, are. So th there's a couple that I was able to pick out. Um, so it, it starts with uh, a skyline of New York city. Um, and then it cuts to a street, like a close-up on a street. And that street, I believe, was Broadway. Um, you know, if there's any street downtown that could be a stand-in for somewhere in New York City, it would probably be Broadway. And I think that's what was going on, because I think they go past what used to, until recently, be the Ross uh, store downtown. Okay. Um, and then they immediately go to, uh, you didn't recognize the Schnitz? Oh, I didn't. That's the uh, hotel um, where the couple stays at the very beginning of the movie. Okay, yeah, I wrote down hotel, but I don't know that I've... Yeah, oh, funny. Oh, so sure enough. It was yep. the Schnitz, yep. I can see that. Yeah, and there's the, uh, the one I couldn't figure out is like the outside of the, the laboratory or whatever that was some like concrete Soviet avant-garde. And, and like, I think I know what that is, too. Oh, wow. What is that? Is that uh, like I'm pretty uh, it could be, but I, I think it's actually Mount Hood Community College. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it, funny. It feels, it felt very like a, a school building to me. It's, it's either yeah. Mount Hood Community College or Lewis and Clark. Okay. That's funny. Um, and then speaking of colleges, I think... Um, when the wife uh, picks up the husband from work, I believe, I, uh, wherever he works, yeah. I, like a glass building. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's uh, at Reed College. Okay. Well, uh, listeners will just be able to go to portlandatthemovies.com slash map and click on this movie and find them all. But, now uh, that we yeah, have worked all this out. <laughs> 
Um, oh, but funny. other than that, like there was, this movie works hard at um, uh, trying to hide the fact that they're in Portland. Yeah, and that's why I found it interesting that like they didn't mention kind of anywhere where they were, and it was really difficult to see to figure out if it really was Portland. There was one location that I was uh, going to ask you guys if you recognize. Um, so they go to the town where this corporation is headquartered that does these uh, mind swaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in the movie, I think that's like Sandburg, New York. Um, but there's a couple of shots where they show uh, like the downtown of Sandburg, New York. And it looked to me like it could have been Troutdale. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't make heads or tails of that whole... So I don't know if we want to get into it now, but the the set design of the uh, technology science headquarters where they're duplicating people was very questionable. Uh, but I, yeah, like I think um, Mark and I both and Brian, well, Brian, did you, did you enjoy watching this movie? Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. It was thoroughly entertaining. Um, for and it is type. totally, yeah, it's totally available on, on YouTube to watch. So if, if kind of, if, this is your genre, like kind of fun and kind of bad uh, mid nineties TV movies. You can go search for duplicates movie on YouTube and you should be able to find it and, and watch it. So we don't, because we will be spoiling it um, because yeah. we do have a lot of questions. So I, I'm always amazed at the rabbit hole that uh, these movies we watch will send me down. Um, and for this movie, it was uh, regarding the, the, the person who co-wrote the screenplay did, did either of you look into who that was? Nope. No, I looked into the director, but... So the guy who co-wrote the screenplay is a guy named Andrew uh, Niderman. Um, and he is most well-known as the ghostwriter of V.C. Andrews. What? He has written, like, over 100 novels, half of them have all been written since V.C. Andrews died in 1986 under her name, and he still continues publishing to this day. Wow. That is (laughs) weird, because, like, this wasn't some, like, sexy, incesty, weird, like, whatever, you know? It was... No, but at the same time, it does kind of have that campy, made-for-TV, you know, schmaltzy drama flair yeah yeah oh that's so crazy yeah and and so um i thought that since you know maybe it was based on a novel he wrote and kind of was so this is a rare case of the screenplay in the movie being made and two years later he turned it into a novel and then released it as a novel Oh, interesting. Yep. I, this would be an interesting book, I think, you you know, as you got more into what their plans for making assassins. Did that happen at <laughs> some point? Did I miss? <laughs> I think that's yep. what happened, but... What is the motivation? Uh, like, what, <laughs> why are they swapping... swapping My alternate bodies? opening for, for this show was going to be something like... I, I hope for your life that your enemies are as incompetent as the antagonists of this film because they do so many strange things to, like, hobble their own plans and the plans aren't even very clear either. So, Brian, why don't you kind of give the overview of what this... Yeah, let's just go through the plot and see if we can uh, answer our questions along the way. Um so the, it starts, uh, like we said, we're, we're setting the scene in New York City. Um, and then we follow uh, two people in a car. Um, one is uh, a doctor and one is like his boss or the person who has hired him to work on a project. Um, and then it is insinuated that um, the the uh, government goon person has poisoned the doctor because he's not feeling well, and he's like, oh, you're not feeling well, hmm. Um, <laughs> did you pick up on that, too, that, like, he was... Yeah, know? I thought it was weird that they, they that, yeah, exactly what he said. He's like, oh, and I, my stomach hurts, and the guy, the bad, this is the bad guy from uh, UHF, Kevin McCarthy, and he's And like, he's also uh, Perry White on uh, uh, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, really? Was he? I never yeah. watched that show. Yeah. Oh, funny. Um, did he have the same terrible haircut in that as he does in this, where like <laughs> yes. the sides of it just go halfway down his ears and are like bowl cut, which <laughs> was driving me crazy. Um, 
but yeah, then that Kevin McCarthy is like, oh, hopefully your dyspepsia doesn't blah, 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 or whatever. And they drop the guy off. And the guy who is feeling sick goes back up to his apartment where a mysterious stranger comes out of the shadows and strangles him. Right. Like, and either you're poisoning him or you're strangling him. I don't know what's going on. Or what Yeah, the, yeah. So what was the point of Or did he maybe yeah. just eat something bad and that was like a deleted scene or whatever? So that was my first question is what, what was going on with I that? think maybe it was to sow the seeds of distrust with Kevin McCarthy's character so that it wouldn't see the strangling maybe didn't seem unrelated to what yeah. happened in the limo. I don't know, but yeah, that was very strange. Uh, so from there, I think it cuts to the next day um, when um, uh, our main couple uh, also who are staying in that hotel. So I guess they're visiting from Ohio and they're visiting friends in New York and they're at breakfast in the hotel. Um, and the woman sees uh, a man that she recognizes as her brother. Um, and she goes up and um, uh, like a cost <laughs> Yeah. Like is yeah, because he walks past her and she's like Brian. Or oh, I forget. I don't remember what his yeah, name was. Yeah, it was Brian. Oh, Brian, Brian. And he's like, oh, you know, sorry, you must be thinking of someone else. And she's like, no. And he's like, look, lady, I don't. And she's like, you're my brother. And like grabbing onto him. And I'm like, she's a weird. And that's one of her first of many terrifying freakouts. Well, to her credit, she. <laughs> Her brother and her son disappeared on a camping trip one year ago, and they have been presumed dead, but there's been zero information, uh, like there's no leads, no nothing. And so your brother died with, you know, with your son less than a year ago, and now you see him in a restaurant, and he says, no, I'm not that guy. But... He's absolutely and, that guy that and is I, your brother I get that you grew that to up a point, with. But when that person is like, no, stop or whatever. <laughs> and she just keeps on like clawing at them. <laughs> but I get, yeah. So she, she, she I, it's probably meant to make her look crazy as well. Yes. Uh, right so, up top. So, okay. So, so help me at this point, clearly, what we end up learning is that the brother has had his memory swapped um, and he now, um, so, so they, they took someone else's memory and put it into the body of the brother. Um, and well, but we don't, yeah, but we don't find that out for a long time. Like that's a long the time. Big, yeah. That's the big twist in the movie. <laughs> right. Is when they figure that out. But it, cause that brother character doesn't know. And he's legitimately confused. Cause they then after meeting him in the hotel, the husband and wife show up at his job and are like, we took your fingerprints secretly at the restaurant because I saw you were left-handed and you are my brother. I don't care what you say. And like show up at his work. And he's like, look, here's a picture of my wife. Here's a picture of my two children that aren't the age of whatever you're looking for. Like, leave me alone. You're terrifying. Yeah. So, but then this is where my brain starts to hurt. Um, if he is somebody else, why doesn't when he looks in the mirror and sees a different face, why doesn't he, you know, realize that where, why don't I look like I'm supposed to look? Yeah, but neither do the husband and the wife later when their body swapped. Right. right. And so, so, the only thing, you know, is like, wait a minute, I look like someone else, but I don't have a scar. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and that, that is kind of confusing, but my bigger question is, so the guy, Brian, who is the, the brother with uh, amnesia, we all think at this point, like something's weird, he doesn't remember or whatever. Uh, at the next scene, after he's accosted by the husband and wife, he's talking to the town sheriff who um, is, and is like, he says to the sheriff, they're on to us. And then he freaks out and starts pounding his head against the wall. And we can tell he's having some like crazy reaction to whatever's happening to him. But my question is, why does he know that he has been swapped? Because nobody else knows. Like, why does he seem to be in on the whole thing and in on it with the sheriff when the whole point of it, the body swaps, which we haven't really explained yet, are to be unnoticeable. Like that didn't make any sense to me. 
it seemed like his character kept flip-flopping between whether or not he knew he was part of this experiment. Well, and maybe because he was, because what seemed to be happening to him is half of him thought he was the old guy and half of them thought he was the new guy. So maybe that's what was happening. It wasn't clear. He was just always, you know, yelling and freaking out and having some sort of, you know, panicky meltdown and hurting people and all that. So I mean, in a way, this this movie is is like a time travel movie in that, you know, that there are very certain rules that need to be established on, you know, what can and can't happen in the context of these swaps. And it just leaves you to just piece it together yourself. Right, right. So but before we know uh all of this swapping stuff. So the husband and wife uh, they confront the brother, show up at his work, and then they go to a restaurant and they see this child that they think is their child. And the what I thought was like a great but like super awkward and horrible scene of the wife coming up to this 10-year-old boy who's sitting with his mom and dad at a table and being like, Joey, Joey, it's you. And the kid is like, who are you, mom? I'm scared. And like the the other mom and dad, like, and then the, the wife, like grabbing the child and shaking him. And it's like, Joey, it's us. And it's like, it was legitimately freaky. It was unnerving and, and uh, cr- a little cringy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so, yeah, there's a whole thing there where they get in an altercation and go back to the police officer. Uh, they don't know that the police officer is in, in on it yet. And then so- they end up being drugged. We see them drugged and then they wake up. Wait, were you going to say something, right? Yeah, I know. I have a lot of questions about the son. <laughs> so they see him in the restaurant. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. They see the, the, their son in the restaurant and the, the son clearly does not recognize them. Um, and, you know, later we find out he too has had his mind swapped. So he is living with another family. And then later, you know, just spoilers here's you know the big reveal is what they are claiming that they are doing to these people um is that they uh take minds of people who are terminally ill or are about to die and then they download their mind and then they put them into uh, another body so they can keep living and you know they they want to use transients and people who didn't really have a much of a life to look forward to anyway and put these better minds in their in their bodies um, so, A, why did they initially target the brother and the, the son for part of this experiment? Um, and so the, the mind, the new mind of the boy, uh, he now lives with a family. Is that entire family also right. the relatives of the new mind? And were they all terminally ill together? Were they in a car accident? And if that's the case, are they able to save the mind of somebody who has already died? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> do you follow me? I think a- absolutely. Yeah. And I do. there's a lot of questions about, about the boy. Like they, they kidnap the boy. Nobody <laughs> cares. Uh, uh, you the know, boy doesn't seem to the care boy at all either until he's put into the mind machine. Right. And he just he's just swaddled in his 1980s neon flanged parachute jacket that he had. <laughs> but I, th- I think what we're meant to believe. Um, so the couple wakes up and they get mind wiped and they they think they're they're different people, blah, blah, blah. Then they sort of stumble into this whole plot. So what I think we're meant to believe is that the husband and wife and their child in the pre in their previous life before they were mind wiped were all in an accident and were about to die so they took their minds and put them in these new bodies but then separated them but also the new family of the 10 year old boy was also one of the subjects of the mind wiping. And then they just sort of started a new family because it was convenient that way. And maybe, or maybe no, here's, here's what I think happened now that I think about it. So the husband and wife see the brother, right. And freak out. And they're like, this is legit. Our brother, 
right? They track him down to this small town where they then see the sun and they're like, holy shit, this is our sun. Right. So now they know too much. They need to be mind wiped so that they stop asking right. questions. So yes. they are now mind wiped. So we don't know why the brother and the, the son were initially kidnapped, probably just because they were out in the woods or maybe there was an accident or... Right. So uh, what I'm wondering is the minds that went into um, the son and the rest of his new family, you know, where did those minds come from? You know, like I said, were they all killed at the same time? Um, and uh, were they just holding their minds in, in stasis until they had enough bodies and then they dumped them all at the same time? Or did they do the father first and then suddenly <laughs> they give him a son once they find a, a, a suitable body for the... Well, first of all, their minds were not in stasis. They were on a series of 250 <laughs> floppy, disks. <laughs> floppy disks kept neatly on shelves. <laughs> so that was the other thing too, is that the criminal mind... So... The company that is doing this, uh, who is who UHF bad guy and Cicely Tyson, uh, who is a scientist, they work for some company that is doing all these mind wipings. Now, it sounded like that company, especially Cicely Tyson, is doing this for uh, the medical advancement of the world and wants to publish her findings and win a Nobel Prize. And then it sounds like the U.S. government is also forcing them to, to take criminals and see if they can put new memories in the criminals to make them not be criminals anymore. But I some think, of them, they're going to turn into assassins. <laughs> yes, some of them are meant to not be criminals at all. Others, assassins. <laughs> It's kind of all over the place. I I didn't realize it felt like it made sense both times that I watched it. Yes, like... I agree. I agree. <laughs> and so I think this movie is trying to confuse you so you will think it's deeper than it really is. And it does a great job. It does. Say. Like I had none of these questions before I... <laughs> I... I had none of these questions the first time I watched it. And I thought, well, this is a type of movie where I feel like if I watch it a second time, I'm going to understand a lot more. And it was the second time when I had all these questions. <laughs> I think now that I'm pondering on it, um, I, have, I have a theory for the uncle and the son that were initially kidnapped, the brother and the son. And I wonder if... Uh, the mind wiping company had these brains in stasis, so to speak, and just needed two very specific bodies right away and like happened to come across the uncle, uh, you know, the brother and the son. I don't know how they would do that on a camping trip, but it's like possible. they needed two bodies right away. And that was the first ones that they... Yeah, it's um, there is a line um, when uh, one of the doctors says to the sheriff, like, you see what happens when you pick up people who aren't loners and they actually have families? This is what you get. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like the sheriff was the one in charge of, like, kidnapping bodies for the experiment. And yeah, so like, maybe they were camping, like, in his the outskirts of his city or something like that. Because you're right. right, he was procuring the bodies for some reason. Although you think if it was a legitimate thing they were going to get a Nobel prize for, they would like not illegally <laughs> kidnap and kill people and but, steal but their bodies. Where were they camping and <laughs> how did that area end up being where the sheriff was casing? You know, were they camping from Ohio to the Catskills of, of New York or, <laughs> or did, was the sheriff like, I'm going to go to Ohio and, check out the state park campgrounds and find they also kept bringing up that the the brother slash uncle had this criminal history a couple times right and i don't know if that was just to establish that he had his fingerprints on file somewhere or if that's why he was for some reason targeted it could it should have been a deeper connection there but i don't yeah. think it was so can you if i wanted to bring a drinking glass from a restaurant uh that brian <laughs> you had used into the police will the police just run those fingerprints for me i would love to think that's the case <laughs> <laughs> just if i'm curious about yeah somebody. hey can you just check can you tell me if these prints match my brother who you printed 15 years ago <laughs> <laughs> oh sure yeah we can do that we'll just send Absolutely. it to the forensics lab yeah so oh, here... you know what hang on yeah. um 
So she she takes the glass from New York back to her home in Ohio, and the man in the police station says, we'll send these to forensics in Cleveland. There's the Ohio connection. Oh. Hmm. Okay. But why... Why did we need the Ohio connection? Oh, because that's where they live the, in Ohio. Wait, because that's what the what's back in of the Ohio? VHS. They live in Ohio. That's what the back of the VHS says. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Ohio plays an important role in this movie. So here's where. So we have this these bad guy body swip duplicators, even though they're not really duplicating anything. Um, so they 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 take the husband and wife because they know the husband and wife know too much presumably and mind wipe them and give the husband and wife new memories now if you were trying to keep all of this top secret stuff under wraps <laughs> where would you want to employ the person oh. that you just mind wiped maybe at the mind wiping factory yeah so it, now you're bringing up another major question i had <laughs> so the person okay so the husband and wife are on to the fact that something fishy is going on and they start digging around and the the corporation's like we can't have this so they they uh kidnap them take them to the hospital and wipe their mind and, and give them uh new put someone else's mind into their bodies now the mind that they put into the husband was somebody who had recently moved to that town to work in that facility. So did he move and was he terminally ill when he moved for the job? Like See, I know because here's <laughs> here's where when after husband and wife unravel the plan and they're sitting in the car and that's the big twist where the husband's like, you've got to understand we're duplicates or whatever he says. He's like, my last memory is being in a hospital in San Diego. Your files say that your last memory is being in a hospital in Chicago. So I think those two people were just independent of each other. Yes. Who died. Yeah. And again, we have available memories that we need bodies for. So they just took those unrelated to anything else because they were available and put those into husband and wife. So did they then have to add memories in order for that guy to, to now be employed? To yeah. Uh, wasn't he a computery person beforehand as well? But but like he says, like, you he, know, he, I... I he had to ask for help a couple times from his coworker. Well, he's he just, just like working started. his like... Yeah, he's like, I don't know what I'm working on, really. I've only been here two weeks. Can you help me do this? And the yeah. other guy's like, well, yeah, this is easy or whatever. So I was confused at that, too. I just figured that the old, the old San Diego mind wipe guy was a computer programmer. Sure. And so... And, and then they just like That's added just, a memory that you're like, oh, and now you also, you recently took a job and you work for us. Yeah. You just happen to move here and that's why you wake <laughs> up. You're not in San Diego. You were here because they can, they can implant those little false memories of you are, you came here to do this type thing. But they, they didn't make that clear at all that they were adding. They didn't. Memories. But like at the end, when um, the whole family is getting their old minds back, they're like, Put when the when the the little boy suddenly kicks up a fuss before going into the mind machine, they're like the mom and dad is like put his memories back, but make him not remember what happened. You know the these yeah. last two weeks or whatever. So I felt like it was implied that they could be fairly Cicely Tyson could be fairly specific about what she was and was implanting because at one point we see her go back. I did like. So all of their all of these memories are stored stored on like data files and stuff like that. And I liked how they showed that it was just all this weird stream of consciousness. Yeah. That how they I I like that because at one point Cicely Tyson goes back and changes mushrooms to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she realized it, it's it's when um so the, she, Cicely Tyson has doubts that um some of the memories of the old person are like showing through. So when um he's now the husband is showing uh, that he, he uh, doesn't like mushrooms, but then he tries them and he finds out he does like them. She goes and she like does a search for mushrooms in the memories of both the old <laughs> and the new guy to see which one liked <laughs> mushrooms. 
That was an exciting montage of her doing like a a control F for a different word <laughs> yeah. in like 1993, and it's like <laughs> brrr, highlight mushroom. And she was typing mushroom. She was typing with two fingers and like very very forcefully. <laughs> that was hilarious. So yeah, so the company mind wipes them and makes it and brings them to work in the company, which is already crazy because at several points he's just like wandering the hallways and hears Cicely Tyson loudly playing recorded audio tapes of the husband, the mind-wiped husband and wife who are now, who they think are meeting for the first time because they don't know each other. So not only do they do that, they bring all these people into the same small town. So now the brother, the son, the husband and wife, who if you would want to keep things under wrap and keep all chances of someone recognizing someone like completely random you don't bring them back to small town ohio um oh and they changed the name from box letter to um oh what was it culvert corbett corbin and so like they're conveniently right next to each other in the same (laughs) file cabinet for him to remember box letter that's what that waitress called me that one time. And so like he was able to piece that together. I'm like, this company is awful <laughs> at covering its tracks. Um, that downtown scene is in Forest Grove. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> so, okay. In- so, so Sandberg, New York is played by Forest Grove. Yes. What downtown scene was that when they were driving and they ended up at the bank? If you look at the at our messenger chat. Oh. As they go into the town to look for that he works at a bank uh that's the u.s bank that's in downtown forest grove and so there's a couple screenshots oh nice yeah i wondered where that one was when she was doing the um the mushroom uh control f i i like the 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 language that they were using around computers are like well call up the file Did you, speaking of uh, quick location, so there's a restaurant that kind of plays a prominent role that at first I thought was Cousins Restaurant in like, uh, in Hood River, but um, there's a reverse shot on the waitress and there's a, there's a Burgerville sign behind her. So I wondered if that was, if you guys had recognized either where that was or where the park was that they were at, where they kidnapped a child. I didn't, but the outside of that restaurant looks like an Elmer's. Uh, oh, and so okay. it's, it's in it's in the style of an Elmer's. So yeah, gonna... in the style of I would yeah I would, I would say Elmer's Sherry's something like that. Yeah. Um, um, the so park. Not... I, I, yeah. The the park I thought at first was um, Laurelhurst or Mount Tabor, um, but or I wondered if there's a one on, that one on Powell. Isn't there a park on like Powell and Fifteenth or Twentieth or something? Yeah, there's also one Powell and like Thirty Ninth ish. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there, I don't know. It, there's a park featured in the movie. It was not really um, shown well enough. Well, another stupid decision that the duplicate company makes is not only keep all these people in the same town, they rehouse the mind wiped, wiped husband and wife in the same apartment complex for them just to like get to know each other again. I mean, what? Who is in charge of this operation besides? Well, I. Th- think they had said that they wanted to gather data to see whether or not their bond of love in their previous life <laughs> would so that- surpass yeah yeah was strong enough to survive the wipe and they were like this is valuable data so there is it so kevin mccarthy the guy, the bad guy from uhf uh, isn't the ultimate bad guy. There's one other kind of more mysterious guy above him who's arranging this whole operation. And he comes and confronts um, Kevin McCarthy and Cicely Tyson at one point and say like, what's going on? You know, I, and I forget but he's mad at something. And Cicely Tyson, like out of the blue, like turns this movie into like a Jane Austen novel. They're like, they're talking about uh, training assassins and stuff like that. And all of a sudden there's like this beautiful close-up on American treasure Cicely Tyson who just goes, but what about love? What about, what if the criminal mind has never been in love? Does the emotion of love depend on the existence of memory? And I'm like, what movie are you in all of a sudden? And what's crazier is that the... 
guy who's in charge who has sh been shown to be like this ruthless whoever that everybody is scared of is like oh you're right this is a hole in our research and like just changes his mind and i'm like that's crazy what, what's happening has a criminal mind never been in love <laughs> like what oh my gosh and then she tried to pick out the mushrooms out of his food like with her fingers and i'm like just let him pick them out just, what's going on uh did did you also notice that the husband when he's re repositioned now as a computer programmer him and his little coworker look exactly like clark kent like they kept going back to yeah. them and they've got like just nicely coiffed black hair with like big black framed glasses at computer and it, like every time i'm like oh he's going to reveal he's superman yes another thing one thing i did appreciate i liked was um Typically in a movie like this, where it's like a conspiracy, it's usually just one person against the conspiracy and everyone just says they're crazy. But the fact that the husband and wife were like kind of in agreement that something was going on, you know, that, that, that actually felt more realistic. Instead oh, of just being like so, the crazy mom. I guess. I But I, I did feel that the dad came around a little fast, but I guess when it was revealed that that was actually his son, because the, the audience doesn't really know at the beginning if they're just seeing people. And like, since the movie was called Duplicates, I was expecting there to be duplicates, like more than one of these people, but right. that never really was the case. So that yeah. kind of threw me off for a while. I'm like, stop accosting the duplicates. They don't know. And the, the tagline was kind of misleading too. Um, oh, what was with, that? Uh, uh, what if the dead were found to be living? Oh, well. I mean, I technically. Guess technically. <laughs> you know who was also in this movie? Portland at the movie Treasure, Russ Fast who has now once again uh, put another on his list. I can't figure out who he was. He was some someone named Kurt in this movie, but huh. I don't think they say his name out loud. What else has um, he been in? So Russ Fast has been in uh, everything. Let me refine him again, because we talked about him literally on the last episode. Oh, funny. So um, while, while I do that, someone can, can vamp here for... Um. I didn't really find too many uh, new movies in researching all the uh, filmography of the people from this film. Um, I did find one though, so I'll just tease this. There's a movie from 2005 called Say Uncle um, that looks kind of crazy. Um, Interesting, it, what genre is that? Is that too much of a tease? Uh, comedy drama. Um, Interesting. A young artist desperate to replace the relationship he had with his recently relocated godson is targeted by a neighborhood mom as a potential threat to the community. Oh, interesting. It's a stranger danger. You know who could use some stranger danger uh, advice in this is the little girl who points out oh, yeah. who a child is to a stranger. <laughs> so there's a point where this the, the movie does kind of go off the rails toward the end of and before we get to that, so Russ Fast, uh, Portland at the Movie Treasure, and he's actually got a couple great articles if you Google his name, like the Oregon Film Commission, and there was some great uh, obituaries. He passed away in 2019. Hmm. Um, but he was in uh, Payback, something that we don't have on our list but need to, a TV movie from 1997 called In the Line of Duty, Blaze oh. of Glory. Oh, that one is on With our Bruce list, Campbell. and it stars Bruce Campbell, yep. Okay, oh, well, weird. So yeah, uh, Payback um brain smasher a love story dr giggles duplicates um breaking in the haunting of sarah hardy the last innocent man uh yeah so those are the ones and he was in that one god uh, ed asner was in payback which we just did payback with mary tyler moore yeah and a movie that we have been confused about called the cops are robbers with yep. ed asner and so Russ Fast is in it. So they must have filmed one scene at the courthouse on the parks block because uh, I watched the rest of that movie and it all is filmed on location in New Jersey. Oh, man. So, <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, so Russ Fast has uh, loomed large in Portland at the movie's history. Um, speaking uh, slightly off topic, did I tell you what uh, Nick got me for uh, Christmas? 
No. Uh, I now have a personalized autograph uh, from Ed Asner. Oh. <laughs> is Ed, 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 he's still with us, isn't he, Ed Asner? He is, Or did yeah. he pass away? Okay. No. Wow. Is there, a, is there a special connection for you and Ed Asner? Um, I think Nick said someone he knows who lives in uh, L.A. was at an event where Ed Asner was, and Nick somehow had the forethought that uh, to get have them get me an autograph from Ed Asner. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you can add that to our uh, collection. We have now James Belushi and Ed Asner, so two, of, <laughs> two stars from Portland at the movies. Uh, yep. Uh, as well as Kayla, Kayla, Kato Kalen, which that picture just showed up in my memories. <laughs> that made um, me laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, but back to the stranger. So the mom and dad who are piecing this together and have now realized after the dad says, we've been programmed into somebody else's body. They now um, go to a park where they know that the 10-year-old boy who they know is their son, but the son and everybody else has no idea that his brain has been wiped. They ask a little girl at the park, hey, do you know Tommy so-and-so? And the little girl's like, sure, he's right over there, and points him out. And they just go and follow him home and kidnap him off the street. Yeah, they just literally it's insane. walk up behind him, put their that, hand over the mouth, drag him into the car. scene needed a trigger warning. <laughs> Seriously, because up to now they are the heroes and victims of this narrative and they have already have a history of accosting this child so much so that when the child sees them after their minds were wiped, the child remembers them accosting him in the restaurant and trying to drag him away. They don't remember at that point. So this child is already traumatized and then they come back and kidnap him for real and then he just sits in a chair quietly for the rest of the movie and <laughs> does nothing until he is restored. They did say uh, right before they abducted him, I think they were like, you know, if, if this is not the right kid, you, you realize what this is going to do to him. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what have they done to the community? I did like like at the end of all this where their brains are restored and and it shows them kind of like driving down the road and the, the child is now like, I love you, mommy, or like oh, blah, blah, blah. And everything's wrapped up. And I'm like, what kind of life are they going back to? Like, they are going to be, there's going to be a trial. There's going to be an investigation. This is like something with the government like their lives are forever changed and they're just like driving down the oregon countryside or whatever <laughs> but they yeah so they kidnap this child and they go back to the main laboratory which the main laboratory is decorated like a mod 1960s Stanley Kubrick 2001 like carpeted gym of some sort that has like this orange carpet and all of these lockers and it's just the most insanely retro looking room for this futuristic thing that's happening in it it was so crazy yeah I would really like to know where that was that was an interesting building because like they pan up and like there's all this beautiful exposed like wood trusses and stuff like that and concrete walls it was the strangest building yeah definitely um so they kidnap the kid they bring him there they go up to the duplication room the mind wipe room where they force cicely tyson or they kidnap kevin mccarthy and the police officer who's in on it and lock them in a room they force cicely tyson to restore the husband's memory uh and then the wife gets her memory restored um, and then as they're putting the child into the memory white machine, the child finally fights back after sitting here at gunpoint, sitting silently for 20 minutes. They put him in the mind white machine, and as he goes into, the wife looks over and sees her brother in a different mind white machine and finally puts that all together. Um, but then the brother escapes somehow. How does that happen? Yeah, I think the brother at this point earlier, they had said uh, because of his violent tendencies, like they were having to, uh, they were going to revert him back, um, like out of safety. And that oh. was scheduled for that night. So he was in for that procedure. Oh, um, and then that procedure uh, doesn't take and he just like 
goes crazy with a split mind and then he starts attacking everyone and they end up having to shoot and kill him. Hey, well, let's back up. So, so yeah, he breaks out and, and um, the brother breaks out and is going crazy with this, whatever psychosis and um, is lunging towards the husband who has a gun and the husband I thought did a great job. He shoots the, the brother going crazy in the leg to stop him. Like doesn't full on shoot him because I'm like, at this point, sure. The brother is going crazy, but like, it's not his fault. He's not like the mastermind bad guy who's done reprehensible that like, he's still, you know, the victim of this thing. So the brother goes down, but is still attacking the husband. Then this movie makes it so that the wife has to pick up the gun and shoot her own brother who is she has already lost once a year prior to this this movie makes her shoot him yes what what why why did we do this to her she she doesn't deserve this like I, I, the police officer could have shot the brother and then the wife could have shot the police officer in self-defense. Like there was a way out to not make her have to shoot her own brother. It was so cruel. I was so <laughs> angry at that because then the movie does that and then um, makes it so that everybody is dead except the, the wife the husband and wife and, this, and the child and Cicely Tyson. And Cicely Tyson's like, there's no way out, you know? And then the next scene we see the husband, wife and son escaping and Cicely Tyson is holding, holding the ground at the laboratory and all the bad guys come in. The main bad, the big bad guy comes in. She shoots the main bad guy and then commits suicide. And it's like every single noble character or victim in this movie is forced to the mist style, like execute people and shoot themselves. It's like Frank Darabont comes and scripts the final act of this movie. And it's just <laughs> devastating and mean. <clears throat> Perhaps I was the only no, one affected no. this way, but I just thought it was. Uh, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, I guess the family did kidnap a child, but <laughs> uh, anyway, so the other, the only other note that I had that it was I thought was really funny is that uh, some of the movie relies on the husband as they're figuring stuff out, uh, gaining access to different floors of the building that he's in using a key card, you know, swiping key card, and this must have been 1993, like before people are really used to using credit cards, and if they're using credit cards, they're still doing like that chunk, like carbon copy thing. Like, I don't think anyone's swiping because the way that they swipe the key cards is so slow. And I, even I was watching it again on 1.5 speed this morning to like take some notes. And even in fast forward, it's like impossibly slow. Well, it I'm takes like, a little while for that door to call up the file when you swipe. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was so funny. Um. Uh, anyway, any any other thoughts on this movie? Anything we didn't talk about? It's a you know, watch it. This is might be the <laughs> first movie one. we've seen in a while that can stand on its own as a movie outside of the show. Um, I think so, and it was disappointing that there wasn't more Portland in it. I, right. I was glad to see at least a fleeting Burgerville sign to like. <laughs> really grounded in that it was in fact made here um, but now i guess that there's more buildings that you guys did recognize that that helps a little bit i was unfamiliar with some of those uh, but yeah this was shockingly watchable and i thought all the performances were were pretty good for what they had to work with um it looks like all of the actors have just been working non-stop towards them uh doing uh, television, you know, television stuff, the Law and Order type things that have been out through the years, and keeping super busy. So that was nice to see. Um, and Cicely Tyson, R.I.P. How, when did she die? Last month. Oh, oh, that's you, right. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that. I thought I thought that was last year at some point. With because uh, uh, maybe I was missing. I was missing. <laughs> I was uh, mixing uh, Cicely Tyson up with Russ Fast. <laughs> who died in 2019. <laughs> yeah, I thought she did a great job here. I, it was weird because 
at the beginning credits as they're naming everyone, she uh, and I, a lot of the times when someone's more famous like she was at this point, there's an like a with Cicely Tyson or right. and Cicely Tyson. But this one was special appearance by huh. Cicely Tyson. And she huh. is in like the whole movie. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not a cameo. Like, it's not a cameo. It's not a, she's in it just as much as Kevin McCarthy is in it. Huh. So I thought there was, yeah, there must have been some weird sag wrangling of how you get credits or that gets you more money or I don't know. But, interesting. Yeah, but she was, yeah, she was good in this. Um, other, Yeah, so it was it was a fun watch. It's available on YouTube. So if it's a great thing to have kind of on in the background uh, as you're as you're cleaning house, perhaps. So. Yeah, I think this would be a good uh, uh, movie to pull out your pocket, you know, when someone is opening uh, a conversation with you about Portland movies and you want to impress them with something they probably haven't heard of. Yeah. Remember that Cicely Tyson slash Kevin McCarthy movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like, they actually did more de- detective work in this movie than like any of the Batman movies ever have. Yeah. No, like, it, this husband and wife, does a great job at like yep. uncovering this mystery when they try and when they at the beginning when they track down the brother like it's actually logical steps that she followed to track him down because she got his fingerprints to confirm it was him um, and then he got his name because he checked into the hotel um, so she, I even yeah I missed that the first time that I was like well how is she just getting this hotel and it like, it was really clever how she got uh, his hometown from the hotel because she got his name from um, his uh, receipt uh, from, from yeah. breakfast. And then she went to the front desk and she's like, oh, I noticed that so-and-so was staying here. Um, is that so-and-so from so-and-so Ohio? And they're like, no, it's so-and-so from Sandburg, New York. And then she took that information and was able to get his phone number. And then she called that phone number and got his voicemail and then figured out he worked at a bank. And yeah, it was it was really satisfying how all those pieces were put together and that yep. the pieces were there and it wasn't it wasn't just coincidental and all that so yep. interesting well brian the unipiper do you have anything coming up uh no just laying low <laughs> still still uh holding that holding out with that hair yep uh no vac- <laughs> no vaccine no haircut i did i <laughs> i this this was the first movie i watched after getting electricity or getting my electricity back after after eight days of no electricity and the first movie i watched after getting my second uh vaccination dose so nice this movie is for the books (laughs) how are you feeling by the way i feel totally fine so it's only been i got the yeah it is a sunday (laughs) it's a sunday as we're recording this i got my second vaccination on uh friday morning so it has been two days um, from what I hear, uh, it's maybe three to five days um, mm. that you may get some reaction. But um, I felt a little strange on, I can't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday night. But, and then I woke up with my entire body sore and I'm like, oh, this is the aches and pains they all talk about. But then I realized I'd spent the last two days carrying around five gallon buckets full of water because I didn't have water at my house and I needed to bring some. So I'd been just like lifting dead weight of water for two days. And so it turned out it was that. So, so far so good with no side effects. So hopefully that continues. Um, Mark, anything exciting happening in your neck of the woods? Uh, not, not a lot. Uh, you and I have a, a podcast, the Mark and Toddcast and, and uh, we, occasionally record that <laughs> haven't recently but <laughs> we do we're we're we're, uh, we're uh, under some pressure now because the the um actual maker of that tensegrity table that i got you for your birthday has contacted me uh because he was just wanted to check in to see if it got there and how we yeah. liked it and he's like and what stripe of nerd are you most of the people who order this from me are engineers or scientists so which one are you and i'm like we do a science podcast and mark's an engineer <laughs> that's hilarious so i promised him we would talk about it on our oh, next yeah. podcast so <laughs> that's funny anyway so well that's all for us. Uh, you can hear us on Fun Employment Radio. Uh, Greg and Sarah do that every day. Uh, this last two years, the only really good thing to come out of uh, quarantine and, and the lockdown and all that, that is every week they've been able to have uh, Rick Emerson on the air 
uh, to talk to him. And so it's been great to hear hmm. Rick Emerson. If you're a fan of uh, classic Portland radio and remember Rick Emerson, you can hear him via Fun Employment Radio. So check them out. Um, other than that, uh, I remember there being strange music that did not fit this movie at all over the ending credits. So I will play that as we go out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.